Mark Collier for Thomas Matters Radio podcast today. We're going to be talking to Dr. Karen Chesser, superintendent of Fort Thomas Independent Schools, as well as assistant superintendent Bill Bradford. He's in charge of teaching and learning, and Jamie Flaherty, she is in charge of student services. Recording this podcast on March 22nd, it's the second day, second week of NCAA basketball. Not a good, not a good tournament for greater Cincinnati teams, but uh, Kentucky is still alive and thriving. They play tonight. March edition of Fort Thomas Living hit mailboxes yesterday. It's a great day in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. Sponsor of our podcast is Omega Processing Solutions, located at 1538 Alexandria Pike in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. Unsurpassed value, unmatched support. Omega Processing offers credit card processing, point-of-sale systems, business-to-business e-commerce solutions, business funding, gift and loyalty programs. Want to be in the know? Follow their positive processing blog at omegap.com. You can call them 866-888-9724, 866-888-9724. That's Omega Processing Solutions, unsurpassed value, unmatched support. Next up on the show... Dr. Karen Chesser, Bill Bradford, and Jamie Flaherty. So now we're podcasting live from the Fort Thomas Independent Schools Central Office Conference Room. I'm here with Dr. Chesser, Bill Bradford, and Jamie Flaherty. How is everybody today? Yeah, great. Okay, we've uh, so we've got a lot of things that have been uh, kind of percolating this year. Everybody is in their first year in this position. Jamie, of course, is coming uh, within the district. She was the principal at Johnson Elementary. So we're going to talk about some of the main topics that are going on within the district right now. Bill, I want to start with you. So we recently did a story, and it was uh, put out from the district that we're kind of changing, looking at changing the grading policy within the district. So tell me, like, how that started, where, where the genesis of that and, and how Fort Thomas Independent fits into, to, you know, those changing uh, scales. Well, we really started to look at policies as they related to um, the new state accountability system that we are expecting to begin uh, implementing in the fall of 2018. And so in examining some of the cornerstone pieces of the new accountability system, we felt like it was the most responsible uh, act for us to take to examine if, uh, our current board policies and determine if any of those particular board policies encompassed uh, limitations that could hinder performance on behalf of our schools or district in those areas of the accountability system. And there's one particular new uh, expectation embedded within the new accountability system referred to as transition readiness. And transition readiness um, leads us towards an endeavor where we have to promote the academic and career readiness of all of our graduates. Um, and in particular, there are uh, pieces of this component that students have to be able to demonstrate that they have satisfied academic readiness or career readiness through particular expectations, 
some of which will be academic in nature, like student achievement data measurement. Sure. Um, and some will be satisfaction of course requirements and the ability uh, for students to be able to satisfy a wide array of career exploration studies. Sure. And so we had to take a look at a few policies since the fall to ensure that we didn't have anything in place that was going to prevent us from making forward progress towards this new system. So the new system, and we kind of talked about that a little bit, where we've got a little from the Kentucky Department of Ed Education. Um, this year is kind of a, a weird year. Talk about why that the rating system is not going to be what it is last year and, and where we are with it in, in the timelines of that. So we're kind of in an interim year this year yeah. where, where it's a year of implementation for the practices component, but not for the accountability component. Much of that has to do with the state of education or the Kentucky Board of Education would like for uh, this year to be a year of baseline data. So essentially how we perform this year as it relates to the new accountability system will be determined uh, or will help to determine what our trajectories look like for 2019 and beyond. The other part is, is that we actually don't have a finalized accountability system yet um, because there have been some ongoing negotiations between the uh, Kentucky Educational State Department and the federal government as well to ensure that we're meeting all components of the uh, Every Student Succeeds. So when you talk about scale and grading scale and that kind of thing, like the way I look at it is, you know, when I went to Highlands, um, maybe a, uh, a 95 was an A. Let's talk about the scale in terms sure. of numeric and then grading. Absolutely. So when we first looked at the grading policy, we actually did not jump right to the grading scale itself. Um, what we found within the grading policy was that there was language in there uh, promoting college-level coursework, but under the guise of AP, or Advanced Placement Courses only. And so we knew that in the new accountability system, we would need to uh, encourage students to not only take Advanced Placement Courses, but to consider if there are viable dual-credit, college dual-credit options for them to also consider within, consider within their schedule, within their schedule, within their schedules, as incentivized to take du college dual-credit courses um, um, as they would advanced placement courses. And so our stakeholders, teachers, parents, students, um, as well as our Board of Education, fully supported that measure. And we first adopted a change to our policy. In fact, the only change to date was to modify um, how students' GPAs would be calculated so that students who uh, were in AP classes earning, for example, a five-point uh, five um, differential for an A uh, would now also be uh, eligible for a five-point differential if they were to get an A in a dual credit course. So those have now been equalized, so to speak. So then as it relates to the grading scale, we have really wanted to make sure that we examined our grading scale and verified that it allows for comparability um, for our students as it relates to students throughout the rest of the state as well as really nationwide and in particular our region of the Southwest uh, com component of the country. And so as it stands, we have a very rigorous um, and rather indifferent grading scale. And so we wanted to examine options that might be a little bit more congruent to what is most usually used uh, or most commonly used throughout our region and really throughout the state. And as we've done so, we've tried to collect a variety of stakeholder input. We've truly engaged with students and parents, teachers, community members, and upon assessing their interest in these changes, we have yielded you know, a high favorability um, to modify our scale so that our students would be assessed uh, in a very similar fashion as to how students are assessed in other areas. Um, and in particular, 
we've wanted to make sure that we had a skill in place that would give our students every advantage um, that other students have as it relates to college admissions, um, scholarship opportunities, and then special programming. And so that is really where we wanted to focus our change on. So as it currently stands, our Board of Education is considering uh, revisions to our current grading scale to apply a 10-point differential. As are other uh, Northern Kentucky Absolutely. School, school Even districts. most recently, in the last calendar year, the Boone County School District um, has made this change. And then very recently, the Walton Verona Schools and Beachwood Independent have both opted to modify their grading scales to align to what our vision is as well. And by state statute in Ohio, all of those schools in Ohio's districts are as well. Yeah, all of Ohio schools have already transitioned to this uh, structure, yeah. so we would really be uh, modifying our scale in alignment with what their work is currently incorporating. So, and then um, kind of going back to this whole uh, accountability system, the change there, um, setting students up for success in the future, now transitioning it over to um, Karen. What? Tell me a little bit about the portrait of a graduate, what the district has undertaken with what kind of Bill has, has talked about and the, the shift of the grading, the dual credit, and all those things. How do those work together? Okay, well, great. I, one of the things we love about uh, Fort Thomas Independent Schools is that we are always looking for ways to get even better. I mean, some people talk about going from good to great. Well, this is a great district. So we're talking about getting going from great to being a global leader, uh, being the best in the world. And it's in that, that context that when we see things that might be obstacles or barriers that we make them work for us. So the idea that there, you know, yes, a new accountability system that we have to figure out. Uh, yes, we have, you know, conversation about grading scale and then other issues that we'll talk about. And so what we want to do is to say, you know, but first of all, let's just figure out what we really want and then we'll make all these other structures uh, meet that vision. And so when I got here in uh, July, one of the things we noticed is we had this amazing mission statement that was written five years it's ago. It's right behind us. Yeah, it is, right here in the office. And it talks about uh, that we provide engaging and challenging learning experiences which foster creativity, curiosity, innovation, and that we want our students to be productive members of the global community. So these ideas of creativity, curiosity, innovation, you know, glo global competency, of course, are high ideals that why wouldn't you want that? But the problem is we've had it for five years, but we really never made a plan to do it uh, or a way to measure it. And so it just becomes this great mission statement. Um, so what we realized we needed to do, and, I, and it's not just me, I mean, of course, it was Jamie, Bill, principals, everyone kind of saying, we need a North Star. We need something that our entire district is working towards so that when we make decisions about programs, initiatives, how we spend our money, that it's all aligned to that optimum goal. And so, you know, when we think about what's sort of the optimum goal for a school district, it's our graduate. So when they leave us, uh, our goal is to make sure that they're prepared for career, for, for college, for life. And so what do we want those graduates to look like? What do we want them to know? What do we want them to do? What do we want them to be like? And, and so that's why we put together this whole portrait of a graduate. So last week, you, you helped bring together um, a lot of different stakeholders, teachers, principals, and we had a, a, a discussion on the future. Talk yeah. a little bit. What are some of the main takeaways that you guys brought from that? Right. Absolutely. So, you know, we have a series of events 
Uh, we've had an industry leader think tank, and we had 22 amazing leaders were there. It's on Facebook Live where they talked about skills our students will need for the future, such as entrepreneurship and global connectedness and compassion. And it was very interesting. Last Thursday night, we had over 100 people uh, for a community conversation for three and a half hours, uh, and where we brought in someone who helped us see what some of the future trends were, but what was better than hearing the futurists talk about that was how our community was responding to that and saying, hey, if, if this is the way it is and, and the things that we want to keep in Fort Thomas, um, then we have to make sure our students are creative, they're curious. We have to make sure that they have empathy and compassion, that they're inclusive, that we give them deeper career experiences, that we build communication, um, all of these very specific skills. So we're starting to hear these same themes over and over. Uh, we've been, we met with all of our teachers over the last few days as well and getting their input. Um, and so our goal is that over the next few weeks, we'll be able to capture all that data um, along with getting input from students. And then we'll have these overall themes or skills or this portrait to start to work from. So then Jamie, who is, Jamie is the assistant superintendent for student services. And let me recap, Bill is the assistant superintendent for teaching and learning. So when, when Karen talks about empathy and, and some of the characteristics that uh, the district is trying to point our students in, um, what are your, what are your main takeaways from this you know, future thinking, pro, uh, you know, future leaders, future discussion. What are your main takeaways for that you want your students to, to have to take away from it as well? I think that it's very important for our students to be able to collaborate and work together. I know that we've listened to our stakeholders at our community forum last week. It was interesting to have our, our board members, our teachers, and our parents really talk about the same um, purpose and, and where we want our students to be. And looking at soft skills, looking at those endurances that all of our students need to have in order to be successful. If you can't show kindness toward each other and accept differences, then we need to grow with that and have those conversations to help teach others, teach our students, and give them those supporting strategies to move and make a difference. So talk about, you You went to Minnetonka uh, in did. Minnesota. We had, there was a large contingent of uh, Fort Thomas teachers. Yes. And, and t talk about why you went to Minnetonka and then what you're bringing back to the district. Okay, so Minnetonka was part of the process. When we went to Ed Leader 21 in the, in the fall, we took a group of educators and administrators there. And from that, we decided as a group, we wanted to have some research and development and do some true groundwork with those visits. And so we had several different groups go to several different locations. I was able to go to Minnetonka, um, a great school district that's very similar to to Fort Thomas with the demographics and they have a strong principle of innovation. They allow each and every teacher to create what they would call a big idea hunt and allow the teachers to then give advice and feedback and out of that they've created a lot of momentum through their own ideas. One would be um, looking at Vantage which was an amazing building and it was actually off-site not located on the campus of any of the schools in a business community there in there, they had six different programs where the students went for half a day to then take a career pathway 
could it be something connected to the global economy? And they had mentors from the true business community that led and partnered with the students. Yeah. So that was just one example. But with the 10 educators that I accompanied, each of them were inspired to come back and make our in-learning environment a little bit different, a little bit better, like Karen had said. What would be one of our big takeaways? A small, another quick example would be online learning. So we were able to see how Schoology, a current tool that we have here can be used as a partnership with one specific teacher to allow additional online opportunities for students in the high school that may not have the ability to have in their schedule a chance to take a certain class or the numbers prohibit a teacher to teach that class during the school day. So we have four teachers at the high school that are willing to pilot next year. It really is coming from them and we are excited to see how that develops. So Bill, obviously you are at every uh, Board of Education meeting too. One of the things when um, I, the the administrators that went to these different places, you could tell that, and you can t hear it in Jamie's voice too, is they were super passionate about you know what they saw, what they want to bring back. Um, talk, talk about that passion a little bit that you've seen within the teachers here. I know that you're leading um, some courses for new teachers, first-year teachers. Talk about some of the passion that makes the district a little bit different, because I know you've been in you know a couple of different districts through your career. Absolutely. Well, the folks that are engaged in the Fort Thomas Independent Schools are already unique in nature because of how exceptional they are amongst their professionals anyways. But I think that people are pretty intrinsically uh, motivated right now. And I think really the work that we've done towards developing a portion of our graduate has been very inspiring for folks. Um, at this time, I think that the majority of the concentration has been on reflecting upon these outside observations and determining what components of those things are going to be most influential upon bringing them back to our own schools. It's not that we aim to replicate or emulate what is happening elsewhere. It's that we want to take strong components um, that other people have in place, learn from those, and then internalize them and implement them in our own genuine way. And I think that that's what people are currently doing is, is reflecting upon those experiences and determining what we could do next to advance uh, our programming. The, the thing that I've, I'm seeing, and it's not just, I think, um, just the schools, but I think the city in general. Um, so we're going through a visioning process right now, and it, it's kind of like that. If you follow the city news and not so much on the school side, you have this portrait of a graduate, you know, getting stakeholder buy-in. And I think that's the, the key buzzword, whether it's the schools or the city, it's community buy-in, right? So it's not just this crew making decisions. It's, it's asking for feedback, asking for buy-in, asking for, you know, how, what do we want our, our graduates to be? What do we want our city to be? And I think that's kind of what, you know, ties the city and the schools in a little bit. So I want to transition a little bit, Karen. Um, end of the school year. It's coming up. Right. Um, so there was, we had, how many, how many snow days have we had this year? Two. Two. Okay. And that kind of push things out maybe a little bit, but right. talk about the end of the school year, when it's going to be, right. and the reasoning behind that. Okay, so if we went with our traditional makeup days and uh, those two days and added them onto the calendar, that would have moved graduation, and our last day of school would have been on the Tuesday after Memorial Day. I believe that's the 29th. Um, well, that's not a great day to have as your last day of school for students uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one is that we do get a state funding based on our attendance. Right. And so, you know, we have had a few days that weren't so great this year because of the flu, unfortunately. So if we all came to school on that Tuesday and the attendance was really bad because, you know, 
I'm sure some families would choose to just extend their Memorial Day vacation, that we would have really bad attendance, which was bad. That was one reason. So, And then just, we would lose, it's not a little bit of money. That's, oh, uh, every time our school for the year goes down 1%, it's $90,000. 90000 yeah. So, so that's, that's a lot of money that, uh, you know, if we could find a way that we didn't make that happen, that would be great. Um, and another reason was because of graduation. Um, graduation was scheduled for the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, the 27th. And if we, we always have to have graduation after the last day of school. So that would put that off for the next week. And I know many families that would, that would really, um, not be as been as, as useful or feasible for them because, um, they were going to travel over that weekend. Um, the other thing is we don't really like to have, you know, almost a week, uh, between the last day of school and graduation, students want to get on with their lives. It's a sort of anticlimactic to have it a week later. Um, and then, so our last day of school will be on the 25th, Friday the 25th for students, and then graduation on the 27th. But one of the main reasons also we want to do this, and, and again, we're, high, we're within all requirements of, of, of the state for attendance and calendar, um, is because this will give us an opportunity to have a day with staff um, all classified and certified staff, um, so that we can do some security and safety training, which um, you know our teachers have asked for. We we definitely want to give them, and then um, also uh, some students have asked to be a part of that. And I know that. So Jamie uh, can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the the the, the safety aspect, Jamie. Um, let's talk about the what's going to happen during that that training session first. So let's okay. start there. So I worked and been connected with the Fort Thomas to police police department and specifically Lieutenant Chris Carpenter. And through that, we have had the opportunity to brainstorm of what that day would look like. More importantly, too, we wanted to make sure that we have trained all of our staff that may not have hit our initial active threat response or active shooter training a couple of years ago. So we recognize that we have some administrators and some teachers that do not have that formal training and we have that in our crisis safety plan. So because of that we're going to have a couple of different modules. We're going to have one module where it will be an initial training. Then we will advance the training for those that are experienced and have a training that will include first aid. So there is a program called Stop the Bleed. It's a national movement through the police. It's really talking about first responders within the building and how simple acts could save lives in the event of some type of an emergency that you would have within your buildings. So then Karen talked that students would be involved as well. Like yes. Talk about how they're they're going to play a part in yes. this. Yes. So we're proposing two different ways. One, I know that in the past our students have been active participants as victims. Victims. The drama department a couple of years ago, those students volunteered to come back and be those victims and we worked with the teachers in those settings. But then we're going to have a different opportunity for our students to actually experience responding and, and working through the scenarios as someone that would be in danger. So we will we are coming together on the final details. I would hope to have that in the next couple of weeks, but that will be on May 29th. So then Talking about school safety, there's also been a um, an anonymous bully tip line uh, referred to as STOP. Mm -hmm. um, you helped implement that this year within the district. Talk about what that is and how it's going. 
it's actually more than just bullying itself. You, you can consider that you can report anything that you would be concerned of on risky this, behavior, correct, or you know anything drug dependency. So, looking at the scenarios that could develop, and someone would want to communicate and have that anonymous option, they can use the tip line, which is located on our front Fort Thomas Independent Schools webpage. At the very bottom, it somewhat looks like a stop sign. Sure, we've partnered with the Kentucky Center for School Safety, and actually the executive director, John Akers, came in and worked with our leadership team to provide some, some next steps for us once we have implemented this and how to respond. And so within, once we do receive a tip line response, those are filtered through me, and then I work with the administrators to make sure that we're handling those submissions appropriately. So then the resilience poll. Um, I yes. know that's, a, that's something that you are excited about. Talk about that. I know. So we are thinking about in today's society, our social and emotional health and well-being of our students, and making sure that we're connecting to our students in not just the academic fashion, but also for their emotional needs. So we are going to be partnering with Rich Gilman. He is working with us through Children's, and we are hoping in April to administer what we call a resiliency poll for grades 3 through 12. This is an electronic poll that will be taking place through um, the uh, like uh, technology devices, but during the school day, and parents will be giving permission. It's not something that we will not be communicating with the, the parents, so parents will be hearing most about this. But what we're excited about would be the results that will become once the students have completed their portion of the polls. It could be um, that we receive data that ranges from hope to grit social ostracism, anxiety, depression. So there are several different scales that are norm referenced nationally that we'll be receiving that data. And in the end, we have an overall indicator that we will be then analyzing and figuring out and determining next steps for those students that are in great need. So it gives us a metric to truly measure those students that may need additional support within our schools. So there's it seems like a lot from the central office. It's, you know, probably somebody that doesn't come in here and sits in your chairs on a day to day they just think oh they're just they're just you know going through the motions they're doing the same thing every single year but it's not it's not just education anymore it's it's you've got to think about you know well-being how to position that kind of thing bill i'm going to i'm going to lead with you now so i'm going to ask everybody a question T tell me how your first year has been and Fort Thomas Independent Schools, try to keep it to a couple of sentences here. I know it's very hard. <laughs> it's been great. I mean, this is a wonderful place to be. There are exceptional uh, people involved in the school district, and there are a lot of uh, congruent initiatives in place that are complementing one another. And I think that one of the responsibilities that the three of us have had that we have embraced very genuinely is how do we build upon the already outstanding programming that's in place and simply contribute our efforts to maximizing its impact? Uh, we certainly didn't want to come in or do we want to be here and, and instill changes that are a distraction. We want to instead um, help the district to shine even brighter. Jamie, same question. Uh, well, first, it's great to work with a, a wonderful team. And, you know, we have a strong central office support staff as well as our teachers and staff mem members at the building level. So I find great joy visiting the schools and working with them through their next steps, working through guidance, um, and I would not want to be in any other location. Okay, Karen, I'm going to leave. I'm going to let you have the last word. Also, uh, we're going to talk about Moyer here in a second. But Okay. 
All right. Um, so, you know, from afar, because, you know, for Thomas, when you're not here, you hear about him. And, um, and, and also, I know that Fort Thomas has recruited, I'll say stolen when you're in another district, the most amazing teachers. So you know that they have the best of the best. But when I've, since I've been here and been able to actually be in schools and talk to people, the reputation is much less than the reality. Oh my gosh, the most amazing people, amazing teachers. Living in Fort Thomas myself, I, I feel very blessed that my own students are being the recipients of this. But I, I'm sure people understand the treasure that we have here. Teachers who not only uh, know their content and are the best um, at instructing students, but also will do whatever it takes. I've seen that over and over again, constantly wanting to get better. We have high quality programming in every area from the arts, selectives, um, athletics, um, and, and people always wanting to, to do a little better. Like, how can I learn more so that I can better reach my, my, my children in my classroom? Um, and that is from all levels. Um, you know, our principals have really difficult jobs, our counselors, and, um, but they do it with not only with panache and with uh, enthusiasm, but definitely at the top of the game. So I, I've just been amazed and feel very blessed to be here. And, and we're adding more counselors next year. Right, right. So, you know, as Jamie said, you know, more social-emotional issues. The other thing, as I, as I was talked about, was one of the things we realized that we've got to prepare our students a little better uh, for careers. And what I mean by that is, like, career selection scheduling, thinking about the future. Uh, you know, right now our students are definitely prepared for post-secondary. We just want them to know more about the future careers, those careers that will be out there from 2022 to 2034. Those are the the work, the, the begin, going into the workforce years of our current students. And so really understanding what that career exploration is and different types of careers. So we want, we're adding two counselors, um, middle and high school, and then we're adding some days to our elementary people. Um, and these will be some of the things they'll be working on, is how do we address the, what we find in our uh, poll, resiliency poll for social emotional. How do we increase the contacts with individual students, and how do we give them more career opportunities and explorations? So I want to end the podcast by um, getting a little bit of a, and this is just voice, so we can't do it with vision, yeah. visuals, but but you've obviously been in Moyer. Um, it's getting close, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So ferns are supposed to be here uh, actually a week from Friday, or March 30th. Okay. And that's all going to be put in uh, spring break that we're hoping to take occupancy right before spring break. Um, I know several teachers are probably going to be trying to work on their rooms over spring break. And so students will move into the building right after spring break. I saw a, a picture on the district Facebook page where the kids were packing up the books in the library. Yeah, uh, so they're excited. Yeah. They're going in there. And what's, what's so fantastic about this building, you won't believe it. I mean, it's not your typical looking building. We've tried to stay keep the historic parts um, such as in the media center, which is huge. 
uh, you know, we've taken out the drop ceiling. So you can see uh, the metal structure, the skylights. There's actually a stage where we'll have a maker space. Um, there's an amazing glassed-in training room. We're going to have soft seating around for students. We have a collaborative space. Um, and so it's going to be, of course, all of our schools are exciting places to learn. Uh, but this one will sort of um, look at that a little differently. And uh, we involve teachers in selecting the furniture. We have great colors in the building. Um, and so uh, we're excited. We will probably have an open house, uh, sort of a launch in August, okay. sometime this summer, just because but we want to have everything done. Sure. We do that. Uh, but we will definitely be putting out pictures and things, and the students will be in after spring break. So then that'll be in August. Um, a couple upcoming events. On the 27th, there's a Most Likely to Succeed film, and that's at Highlands. Right. Briefly talk and about that. that. Uh, so in our next level of the Portrait of Graduates, so what we're going to be doing is having this movie called Most Likely to Succeed, and it's a look at some schools that are doing things differently around the country with a panel discussion by some of our teachers and administrators that have gone on these visits. Um, and then on April 23rd, uh, we are hoping to have our draft form of the skills or the portrait that we will get feedback from teachers and others on. And we are going to watch a documentary um, which Skyping, is uh, as right. Well, right. we'll watch a documentary about how the Singapore American School got to where they are, and we're going to Skype with the, the, the how awesome uh, is that uh, superintendent in Singapore. So to ask him questions. So and we're the time about that. difference is what twelve hours. Okay, so he's getting up or he's going to. Bed. All right, so we're going to have it seven thirty <laughs> at night, and he will be getting up at seven thirty uh, okay. the next morning. Okay. And then the day after that, uh, Woodfield Elementary is having their yes, TED Talks. Yes, they're having their TED Talks. And so several people are invited to talk about the same topic. What are these future skills? I mean, I, I want to continue to stress that this isn't saying that we're not already doing many of these things. We have amazing teachers. What we're saying is how can we be intentional um, in uh, programming across the district to ensure that every student um, has those skills? Very good, Dr. Chesser, Bill Bradford, Jamie Clarity. Thanks everybody for being on. And how how do people connect with you? Just uh, email. Is that usually the best way? Email or phone call. Phone call's easy. Absolutely. We're also on social media, so feel free to seek us out on there. They are, and they're they're very responsive. I have found that uh, this this crew is is one that's very easy to work with. They want to work with the community. And uh, they've been doing a great job. So for Karen, Bill, and Jamie, this is Mark Collier for Thomas.